0: What's up, my miners of intelligence and consciousness? I'm Rick Brooks, and this is Rick's Mind. Well, as always, guys, I'm always thinking about random stuff, and as always, I'm going to find a guest that will help explain it to me. And I've always been fascinated with mycology, mushrooms. I've I've mushroom hunted a few times, and for chanterelles and morels. And uh, I happened to bump into Ryan Palmer who is a mushroom guru. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate you, Rick. Um, Yeah, man. uh, Guru
1: is one term I've been called mushroom man. Uh, Another one that seems to stick for me that I coined was uh, mycological concierge. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad to be of your service.
0: So, I mean... For our listeners, kind of how did you get into mycology? Like, what, what was there always an interest, or is this something that is that just sort of started to happen? Well, I hope
1: you're ready for the story because I've had enough practice to tell it a few times. So, I'm ready, brother. Um, you know, when I was growing up, mushrooms were around me, obviously outside, but I didn't realize how much they were around me um, inside. My mom had a lot of mushroom decorations. I remember mushroom candles and stuff being around. Um, she actually had some like projects that she did in woodshop in high school, like carved out some mushrooms on the wall. Um, so it's always been there, but I never found the key to unlock where it was until one day I was actually dropping somebody off at work um, for part of my job was giving people a ride to and from work when they dropped their car off at the car dealership I work at. And I'm leaving and I happen to notice bright red mushroom with white flakes on. Mario mushroom, right? Like everyone thinks. And I'm like, I no way did somebody put a fake mushroom out in the middle of this lawn. It looked too perfect. So I went back on lunchtime and I took a picture of it. While I was taking a picture of that mushroom, I looked around and there was mushrooms everywhere. And I was like blown away. And I just took a picture of every mushroom I could find. So I ended up posting it on my Facebook and lo and behold, my cousin had been into mycology for so long or at least identifying and foraging for so long that she was like, oh, well, those are Amanita muscaria, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I was just blown away when I got there that it wasn't fake. You know what I mean? This thing Mm -hmm. was so perfect. It was like, I found the most perfect mushroom like in its most beautiful form enough to catch my eye. And then like After that, everything just kind of all started to fall into place with everything I did and, like, not even really thinking about it. Because by posting it, I found that a couple of them I took a picture of were edible. They're actually called uh, Boletus edulis. They're known Mm -hmm. more as their common name Porcini, which are delicious mushrooms, my favorite mushroom, as a matter of fact. So I was like, well, I got to find out more about these things, you know, and that's just kind of where I got my kickstart. My cousin said, why don't you come down to my house? Like I literally live where there's chanterelles that grow the size of my head. And I'm like, okay, we're down. And we go down there and my sister came with us when I say us, me and my son, he was, I think about five at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We had had pretty bad weather for a while and it was the most perfect day you could be out with just a shirt on. And we went out and found the hugest chanterelles I've ever seen wow. and just had the most amazing time. And I was like, man, there is so much to this. And about three months after that foraging expedition, I picked up a grow kit, an oyster mushroom grow kit at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. The company back to the roots. You've probably seen them. You've seen them at the grocery store, natural grocers, things like that. And I'm like. Oh, this would be cool, honey. Look at this. We're at Home Depot, just shopping around for whatever. We needed a few things and brought it home. Well, after we brought it home, I followed the instructions, you know, cut the X on the front, submerge it in water, and then put it back in the box and set it up somewhere. Oh, about three days later, I'm at work and my wife texts me. and She hates bugs and stuff. And she goes, dude, something's going on with this thing you've got here. And I'm like, why, what? And she's like the mushroom kit. I think there's bugs on it. And I'm like, what? And I was like, totally, I just could not wait to get home. And when I got home, I seen this little pin cluster starting to grow. And I'm like, that's mushrooms. And it, that's when I figured out my wife has tryptophobia. I don't know if you've heard of tryptophobia, but when these no. mushroom clusters are growing, okay. So tryptophobia is like a fear of patterns that don't sit right with you when you look at them. it's usually holes and stuff. So when you look at the lotus pod to a, you know, a lotus flower, yeah, That's the most common thing that's like Photoshopped onto someone's hand to look freaky, you know? So yeah. like, like, you know, there's things you can look at that are satisfying, like people cutting clay. This is for some people completely the opposite. And that's what tryptophobia is. So my wife has a little bit of tryptophobia because these, these pin clusters of oyster mushrooms specifically look pretty trippy when they're coming out. And sh- I was like, I had to reassure, no, these are baby mushrooms. And I felt like it just opened up a world that I was like, I feel like I already had knowledge to. Like, yeah. does that make sense? Kind of in a sage-like way, I guess, or, or gnosis, some people say. I hate to say gnosis and get involved too much with anybody and religion. But, <laughs> there, you know, I just like this, this knowledge you, you have and just had never unlocked that key to yet. And that, that, that pin cluster was seriously just like the key to something. I was like, whoa.
0: Oh, yeah, man. That makes total sense to me. Um, and so you, now you've got these oyster mushrooms growing, right. And, and did you eventually kind of expand and start growing other types of mushrooms?
1: Well, the first thing I did was I went and bought two more kits that same day after I came home and looked at it, I was like, I got to do more of this, you know? And then I was like, I got to figure out what to do to keep these things going. So Mm -hmm. I actually turned to Facebook for some advice and realized I had joined a mushroom growing. At some point in time. And I was like, oh, well, what a perfect place to ask. I, I have no idea when I joined this group. I probably seen a cool cluster growing or something, you know. And uh, I asked some questions and I got some advice, like right off the bat, friendly, knowledgeable people that were mm-hmm. able to tell me what I can do with it. And and they were like, you know, you can, you can expand these and kind of make more mushroom buckets out of it, but you pose the risk of you know, contamination and everything just made sense to me so much to the point. And it wasn't until I got a little farther into this that I realized this was my vessel for learning more about myself and what I need to do with it. And that I am a teacher of sorts because I forget that not everyone just has this knowledge at their exposure, especially when it's something that already seems familiar. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm here to help unlock the keys because people unlocked it for me with that little bit of push and guidance. And I guess to kind of go off on a tangent, when I joined that group, there was 18,000 people. And this was about six years ago. This is it, man. This is on a small scale. About six years ago, I joined that group. There was 18,000 people. And now there's 152,000.
0: Holy shit, man. And to
1: to kind of squeeze into that story, too, the guy who was running the page is also trying to run a homestead where he doesn't have like a legitimate, like, House house, he's got a homestead and he's trying to keep his family alive and stuff. And he was letting tons of people into the group. And he was like, Hey, keep an eye out for scams and stuff. And like, we all know anybody who's been on social media, they're thick everywhere. And I was like, Do you need help running the group? And it's just him and his wife who was running the group. And I was like, you know, do you need help? And he said, yeah, do you want to call me? And we basically had a video chat and an interview. And he was like, I've never trusted anyone else to do this. But yeah. And and, and, and I let it all go to my head was like, I basically run this page now. This guy's too busy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just started doing live videos. I had this calling just to show people what I was doing. And I'm not, I, I didn't script anything. I haven't scripted anything up until now. Even speaking to you guys, this is all just this is part of my, my journey. And so I took it to my head and I just went with it. And like I said, I'm doing live videos. My son comes running in the room, says something silly, like he's got to go to the bathroom or something, you know? And so I started gaining a following, you know, um, do the math on the numbers of how big that group has grown, but like life got busy for me. I have another child now and everything else. And just everything that's happened has allowed me to be put into a place of adapting to something I see a big need for. And that's just people want to know on a basic level how to grow these things. And and, and I can represent it in a way that is understandable because of how I speak and how I articulate my words. And I've had many people tell me that. And so um, with what it's done for me and the fact that I I, I literally changed the path I was on in life, I quit drinking after drinking almost every single day for 14 years when I got into growing mushrooms. And I said, this, this being as powerful as it is like, I have to tell the world, you know, they say, go tell it on the mountain. Here I am. Like, I want the world to grow mushrooms, you know?
0: So you said you quit drinking. Was that from like a psychedelic experience that you had, or is this just your love for growing that kind of caused, this was all consuming. It was like a, maybe you, Instead of being potentially addicted uh, to drinking, you just went ahead and transfixed this onto growing mushrooms and spreading the the word of that. What would you say? I definitely say that it was not a psychedelic
1: experience because it was just mushroom grow kids, oyster mushroom grow kids. I have used psychedelic mushrooms in the past when I was younger. And it was like, this was another way of reaching back in and grabbing me back and saying, remember, you're part of nature here, son. And what I realized that I gained by learning what I learned and already knew somewhat that I had to teach everyone. And I was getting I'm, and I still am. In fact, just this morning, I probably did 20 different video responses on Facebook because I give people that personal advice. I get from this what a lot of people are seeking in a psychedelic experience. And that's exactly what I can chalk it up to is that it's a stigmatism in the brain. You know, like you hit that, that it, 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 there's a stimulus in there. You open up that part and take off the blinders of everything else and realize there's such a want for something so simple and so rewarding and satisfying. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm forever indebted to mycology because of how it changed me. And now sitting where we're at sitting now especially in oregon and being on the west coast we're a little more progressive on things everybody has this interest going into you know a lot of people come into mycology from the psychedelic side and i did it and that's what makes my experience different it did something for me that people are seeking in something that absolutely is a powerful medication oh, yeah. and So now with the way things are changing, I'm here to help be a spokesperson and a mentor and a role model as to just how easy it is for us to be able to help ourselves. Because this is more than just mushrooms. This is permaculture. This is gardening. You know, this is self-sustaining systems. This is fermentation. You can take food and simply add salt And in two weeks, you've now added extra vitamins to it that you don't get if you're somebody who doesn't eat meat. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I brew kombucha, I cook food, you know, it's, it's so much more than just mushrooms. And it's allowed me to focus on those values in my life, just simply by being able to help other people have successes. And I've, I've held people like that are, I wouldn't quite say commercial growers now. I'm friends with a lot of commercial growers that grow thousands of pounds of mushrooms. And they're different people from the people who start from the hobby and go to the farmers markets and sell and get that local community going and everything. Those are the people that I absolutely love. People ask me oftentimes, why don't you have a website? Well, I don't like to ship stuff. I like to meet the people. I like to teach and like I like to tell people that when you you don't have to even buy anything from me. You simply just have to be a nice person. And you have a lifelong mentor in my college. And I leave my PayPal open now. I've started to get smart. It's taken me five years. I leave my PayPal open. I'm like, hey, just just pay whatever you feel is fair and affordable. And some of these people have come back and made it right. Not saying they ever did me wrong, but I gave them the guidance. And they come back and say, I wouldn't be where I am without you, dude. Like, props to you. And like, I'm friends with people who own companies who are the ones that are supplying the bags and stuff to a lot of these people. And because of the network I built, that was, I guess, a big part I left out too, was that when I joined on the, you know, the social media side of things, I became a very big inspiration enough and influence that I kind of became a, you know, as far as Facebook was involved, a household name on social media and mycology. And I'm, I'm up here friends and talking and chatting with the people who wrote books that are sitting on my shelves. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, and, and there were so many other things that happened in my life up to this point that make me realize that these people we put on pedestals are simply just the same humans as we all are. And that's what a lot of that's that, that's what the psychedelic experience does for people is it takes away those blinders and puts us back on that parallel and that level. You know what I mean?
0: So oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Are you, are you familiar with Paul Stamets? Yes, I am. Yeah. That's uh, what he, uh, uh, I'd love to love to pick his brain, man. He I've learned quite a bit from him on that. That's so are you, are you a fan or do you, are you, do you appreciate his work? I'm an in-between on Paul Stamets. I'm
1: an absolute fan of Paul Stamets' work he's done for mycology. Um, the book he wrote, um, growing medicinal and gourmet mushrooms was absolutely existential in just people knowing how to grow mushrooms and doing the things they want to do with them. Um, unfortunately a lot of us put in a lot of, you know, work and time and stuff, and he seems to hop on some things, um, you know, ahead of time without giving some credit to some stuff, but absolutely what he has done for my college is, is hands down, you know, like we, we wouldn't be where we are. Like people wouldn't be growing mushrooms the way they are without, without his advice. Um, I'm, the, I, what I am not a fan of, of his is his products that he sells today, which is the host defense, you know, without Ooh,
0: why, why is that? Um,
1: because there's, there's a lot of controversy also backed with a lot of science that says like, we don't know enough about what these mushrooms are actually doing. And without him having to say it, it comes off kind of greasy the way he sells this stuff. And you know, just what it's grown on like and and, and and that's what people like me are here for is so that we can teach people to grow this medication as potent as it can be yourself very easily. You know, yeah. um, when you standardize something, because we've all seen it, this is what capitalism allows us to do is create a product on a mass level and and think about a bottom line and spending and everything. And so when you put that into perspective, but give yourself your own same type of capitalistic system and say, I have this much money, can do this. I want people to come to me and know that if they have $200 in their pocket, I can get you to grow 500 pounds of lion's mane within a year. You know what I mean? Like you don't yeah. have to spend $500 on, on things that are maybe just mycelium grown on brown rice. That's the accusations that are going against him on that backside, And that's what I get to see from the side of being moderator, going back to the influence I have on social media, on Facebook, I'm allowed to, I'm a moderator of a lot of these groups where I almost put some more focus on keeping groups clean and keeping arguments fair and all of this. And so I got to come in sometimes with the presence and say, Hey, you know, and keep people in line because a lot of arguments are going out around So what people have to remember is it comes down to, you know, it comes down to science and you got to look at what we've actually been able to prove. Now, do I believe that mushrooms are medicinal? Is that, do you want to go there?
0: I mean, 100%, but I want to just clarify something real quick. So when we're talking about host defense, we're, we're specifically talking about lion's mane mushroom, which is, I guess there maybe it's anecdotal evidence. I haven't. I'm not quite well read enough on that, but it might improve neurogenesis or neurogenesis and and helps with memory, right? Um, so that's a lion's That's that is not a psychedelic mushroom at all. It's just a run of the mill, grows in the wild, totally fine and delicious. Just so want to clarify for, for, yeah. for the listeners. So lion's mane actually falls, in. here's
1: where I love what I've done and absorbed all this information, is that lion's mane is called Horicium erinaceus. That's its mm-hmm. Latin name. Erinaceus, actually, and it's funny if you look it up, a hedgehog is also has a very similar name, like in Latin name, just because of the way an actual hedgehog animal looks with the spines and everything. arenacine is the compound that is found in lion's mane and all of its family members. So there's other ones, there's heresium coralloides, there's heresium americanum, you know, you got the bear's head, the coral tooth, Mm -hmm. all of them hold this compound. This compound has been proven to help regrow the nerves in our brains, the neurogenesis, you're absolutely correct. Now, where it falls off is that I don't feel it's fair to pay $60 for a bottle of 60 pills, whatever the cost is for something that you don't know is the most potent medicine you can do. When I can teach you how to grow it directly, you have the fresh fruit, not dried, not powder, not thrown in a capsule. You have the fresh fruit. You can do with it what you will from there. and The most ways you can consume it, whether it's eating it fresh, taking it as tincture, and also taking it as dried. The more ways you can take it, the better off we are because you're hitting, you're, you're getting it all. Think of it as full spectrum. I'm absolutely 100% behind plant medicine because these things are allowed to grow how they're supposed to grow. They take in the light and process it the way they're supposed to. So when you grow these, so that being said, wild is a whole other controversy there beyond cramming mycelium into pills so you get wild and people will only make their tinctures out of wild mushrooms and won't make them out of cultivated you know what i mean i can grow reishi all day long but there's people who won't buy my cultivated reishi tincture over somebody who makes their tincture from wild forage mushrooms so yeah I'm- that's I'm telling I'm telling you man I go far into the mycology deep enough that I mean I'm friends with people who have the biggest brains in the world they're the ones that are behind the the ectomycorrhizal growth and they're doing actual lab studies on how we can start to grow mushrooms that We, we got to go, go back.
0: We got to go Yeah well we'll get into the, what is I don't know ecto what is that? I have no idea what that is.
1: Basically, when a when a plant or a tree is ectomycorrhizal, means it's able to um, be a receiver of a mycorrhizal relationship. Mycorrhizal means that it's, it's a it's a very complex symbiotic relationship between, say, a tree's roots and okay. um, morel mushrooms.
0: So I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. So I was reading a while ago that mycelium attaches to Think, I think of it like as a neural network, right? Where you've got all these mycelium and they're connected in the, in the forest and they're sending nutrients to different trees. Sometimes they'll shut the nutrients off to one tree and have it die. So it's like a, a biological neural network. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? Absolutely, man. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and it
1: goes in so far from there because basically, you know, a mushroom can exist and with things that it can't actually use, give to the tree vice versa. And so it is a way of, you know, the forest talking to itself. That's why you have, you know, bigger trees growing in other areas. And exactly when these trees fall, look what consumes it. Fungus consumes it. Without without mycelium, without fungus, like we literally, we don't have soil. We don't have things to grow food in. And we literally have the fact that it rains and you know, I've seen, you've probably seen the meme. We have the fact that it rains in six inches of topsoil to thank our lives for, you know what I mean? The fact that we can grow food. And so constantly underneath the soil, you have a network of mycelium, and just simply doing God's work, you know, or whoever's work, doing Earth's work, whatever you believe. They're the ones doing the work. And so you can even get down and look into, I don't even know the names of the theories right off the top of my head. But, you know, you got, they say there was life in the ocean, And there was plant life on earth and you have mycelium to think for the plant life. And then mycelium bridging the two between, you know what I mean? Like there's, and and there's, there's tons of theories behind, you know, obviously hallucinogenic mushrooms and everything else. And it's influence on even our existence. And so it's, it's just crazy that, you know, like you, you bring it down to the point that today we have so many things to be distracted by that we forget what's around us and the simplicity of nature is the one thing that can bring us back to realism and kind of take some of those blinders off.
0: Oh yeah. It's, it feels like uh, you you may have may, I'm going to accuse you right now. You may have done a little bit of reading of Terrence McKenna, maybe in your past. Okay. He's referring to uh, the stone Dape theory, which is a kind of a theory that um, humans and kind of psychedelic mushrooms co-evolved. And that, because we can't explain the doubling of our brain size, um, through, throughout the past, like 40,000 years, it just doesn't make sense. And so he proposed that we started eating mushrooms and that's what allowed us to kind of gain more access to our brains. It's a, it's a, and then, I mean, if you look at nature as well, um, jaguars get fucked, reindeer eat psychedelic mushrooms. Um, I think that, uh, then that, that kind of ties back into the Anita mascara mushroom as well. That's a psychedelic mushroom. So that's cool, man. I'm glad that you're, you've, you've looked at the Terrence McKenna. I've definitely listened to quite a few of his lectures back in the day. I, I haven't looked too far into it,
1: but I've read enough of his quotes to know, you know, kind of like it's it's awesome to put that. And I, I have read some things and I'm just like, you know, like I and, and that's the one thing, you know, I hate to admit is that I just don't do a lot of reading. I have a lot of books and I put them out when I do my shows and everything. But like I have a really good way of knowing that I'm connected closer to so much more than what I've allowed myself to believe because of this community and because of the people that I've met, because of the opportunities that have happened. Like every time I've tried to push myself to do something, like try and make money at this, (laughs) it just doesn't work. And every time I've recognized that, then another opportunity has come up and it's led me to where I'm at right here, right now, talking with you. Um, You know, I, I want to help people know about what you're doing, because I think this is awesome. And I've had so many people tell me, you need to start a YouTube channel and do your teachings. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just not what I want to do right now. Like, because to me, it's not rewarding. I want to shake the hands of the people and change lives first before I go on YouTube and generically just be someone who looks like they're trying to monetize something like yeah. I'm not. I have a full-time job that I make good money at, and I'm allowed to do this on the side. And it's, it's, it's allowed me the opportunity to kind of let everything fall into place. And where I'm at now is that, you know, I'm, I'm connected with a local dispensary and an amazing human being that owns it. High quality dispensary in Corvallis. Um, I'm going to be doing classes there and teaching people how to do the king of all of cultivation and mycology really. And that's how to pour agar. And when you learn how to pour and sterilize agar, you can from there grow from spore, you can grow from clone, you can grow from a lot of different things. And there's so much that you can do because can you,
0: it's. Can you, can you expand on what agar is? So agar is actually a
1: substance that's derived from seaweed and it's it's jelly-like. Think of like jello or you know something with pectin in it. It's like a mm-hmm. thickener. Um, And it's got enough nutrients in it and it's enough of a nutrient source that we can grow things like mycelium on it. They use it in biology, too, in the plant world. You can actually like splice genes and everything with it, too. And there's other different types of agar that are used across the science board. So we're talking Petri dishes, nerd stuff. You know what I mean?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So can now. If you if I have the correct agricultur, is it is it possible for me to grow oh shit. Don't the name escapes me. <sighs> Give me a second. It is a wild mushroom morels. There it is. Can you grow Morels? Because Morels, uh the last that I read could not be cultivated, but I could be wrong. It was a few years ago.
1: So again, you've got the right person on the line, man. I'm here to like clear up all that smoke. That's what I'm here to take the smoke and mirrors out of my college. Yeah. So you can grow the mycelium of any mushroom on acre. Now, what you can do with it from there is a lot of mycelium will take the grains. It depends on what type of mushroom it is. Now, we have two basic types of mushrooms. We have mycorrhizal and saprophytic. Mycorrhizal means they make that, that, that really intense symbiotic relationship with the plants and stuff. Saprophobic, okay. saprophytic, means that it grows on decomposing organic matter like wood and things that are fibrous have cellulose and linen on the cellular level that's what they like to eat so we can put morel mycelium on agar grow it we can put it on grains and grow it from there you can't do a whole lot with it and the same goes all across the board for chanterelles, morels, porcini. Those are the big three that people love to eat. Remember, porcini mm-hmm. was my favorite. I said that in the beginning. That yeah. was the first thing I asked when I got into growing mushrooms. How do I grow porcini? And I got a lesson right off the bat. And, you know, all this stuff sticks. So you can't grow those ones. There are a couple of species of morels that are more saprophytic, and they're not my So. So okay. The Morcella importuna is the specific species that's called the black morel in the cultivation world. Black morel can be six other morels in the identification world. So that's why there's a lot of confusion in mycology too and why Latin names are always important. But the Morcella importuna, AKA black morel, can be expanded over onto some chips and some mulch and stuff and can be grown and they are being actively grown in China Some people have claimed to grow them here. I haven't seen actual footage of actual grows. Um, Some people happen to live in places where there are morels growing. You can encourage morel growth by making things like slurries from their spores and things like that and encouraging the the, the patch to increase. If you give it food, Mm. you have to... You have to know how your organism works is one of the number one first things I tell people when I'm giving them like a quick crash course on how to grow. I'm like, stick to one or two, learn how it grows from the level of agar all the way out through the brain, what it likes to eat, how to fruit, everything else, you know. And so, morel is one that is up there on the list that, you know, it's, it's just not something that I'm going to waste my time with because it's not going to be cost worthy to me, you know. Like, even if I were to have a farm or something, like a permaculture farm, maybe 20 years down the road when I'm old and bored and I'm sitting there playing with rocks too, you know, like I'm a rock <laughs> and I got other hobbies, man. Like, my hobby isn't wasting a bunch of sawdust on doing it, but you don't have to waste it if at the same time you can utilize, you know, what you're actually putting into it as far as composting and things like that. So,
0: Okay, dude, that was... Well, I'm, so I'm, I'm in, in, in essence, correct. You cannot grow morels. Correct. Sh- okay, cool, cool, cool. I, I've, I've always wondered that. Um, cause there, I haven't, I haven't had a chance to try some, I've, I've looked for them. Um, I've been told that ever since, since all these fires happened a uh, few months back that, um, in, you know, three or four years, maybe even this next year, it's going to be excellent. Uh, morel mm-hmm. hunt.
1: Yeah, well, that brings me to my next point is you got two different main type of morels. You have burn morels and you have what they would also call true morels. The true morels are going to make that symbiotic relationship with the cottonwoods around here. So there's your key. I don't know how many listeners you have. I'm not telling any spots, but the Willamette Mm -hmm. River all the way through Oregon is surrounded by cottonwoods. If you go in the riparian areas where the cottonwoods are growing, you're going to find verpas too. Verpas are edible if you can ID them down to what they actually are. You'll have like three or four different species you'll see that make that relationship with those cottonwoods, and one of them is, um, gosh dang it, and the name's escaping me. It's Morchella americana, I believe. Somebody's gonna like say something if you have a comment. Hey, no worries. (laughs) worries, Uh, But uh, um, those are gonna be the big blonde morels. They're gonna be the ones that you find that are just big chonky. And if you go anywhere near like where a river likes to wind around and make a few turns. If you think about the way pollen rolls around down a river, spores are going to do the same thing. And so they're going to find themselves up along the banks of places where the water comes up and leaves those spores down.
0: Uh, okay. I, <clears throat> sorry. So I think I found, is it the Morcella Esculenta? I believe that's that one. the one that that you're talking about?
1: Is here, but it also depends on your location. So like that would, it would have to be the Pacific Northwest one. Like there's actually like last time I remember seeing 14 or 15 different described species of morels. So let's reel back a little bit and go to the burn morel was the other one. The burn morel um, is basically like triggered to flush by the amount of everything that's in the ash and the things that happen from the burns, whether it's the heat and the ash and all of that. Like, so you can have morel mycelium basically existing in a patch and not fruit for years until it gets what it needs to fruit some mycelium needs to be poked stabbed uh landslide earthquake lightning cold shock you know like all of these things so that's why it's hard to try and grow them because they're just one that has this complex thing going about and we can't figure out
0: <laughs> yeah man that is uh, that is so that is so good. How many different species of mushroom exist in our state? That's a, um, that's a big question. That's, edible, that's, edible edible, species. Let's let's do that. If, if I were to just stab
1: a number at it, like that's just a crazy question. When it comes to numbers, my brain hates math. And that's why like I figured out I'm a better teacher than I am an actual <laughs> doer. <laughs> I can tell you what to do better and I can do it myself. Um, you know, I, I would say if we're not counting all the like subspecies of, cause you have a Boletus edulis, say, which is a Porcini and it grows big and the Boletus family, we have like all of them are technically edible if they don't have the red pores. Like there's the, the, there's a couple, there's a couple big flags on the Boletus that say you can't eat them, but a lot of them, just upset too many people's stomach that they're not considered edible. And so some people like to venture far enough to eat them. So, I mean, that number is, is, is a big variable number, but if I were to put just, just, I don't know, at least 12 to 15 different species you can eat pretty easily to identify without having any like major lookalikes or anything so because you can even get into talking about chanterelles like you're talking about morels i know they're the big one coming up right around the corner but our Mm -hmm. chanterelles like we literally have like i last i remember at least right here in oregon eight different species main species that grow here um and the fact of the way the coast range is um sometimes there's some years where there's not even a month where um you literally can't find a chanterelle if you're die hard enough to go find one because of the way it's all set up and the way the fronts come in and the climate is, is what it's all about. So you give them a a mushroom, a perfect environment to grow in, and it will. Mushrooms don't care. And so, um, you know, that's why these species have been able to establish their surroundings the way they do too. So like I was mentioning with the morels, there can be an existing patch that just needs something to make it, you know, Flush. And so sometimes that means the tree has to fall or whatever, you know, so, you know, talking again, getting down by the rivers, you know, you look and see what tree fell year the year before that, you know, you know, you found morels around there. It's probably going to trigger that patch to pin if there's any existence of that micelle in there.
0: Yeah. And then what's what we got, we, we have, I I believe I've seen several turkey tail mushrooms. Um, Is that a pretty common one? I mean, I I get sketched out because I'm not a hundred percent sure it's a turkey tail. Um, I just bought, um, a book called all the promises the rain will bring or something like that. Um, cause I'm trying to get better at identification and mushroom hunting. a big goal of mine. Um, have you tried the turkey tail mushroom yet?
1: Yes. Yeah, so Tremides versicolor is its Latin name. Um, And there are a couple lookalikes, and they're going to be in the family of Sterium. So, like Sterium, ostrium are going to be a little more orange when they're fresh. But Mm -hmm. even the orange mushrooms, when they're old and they get bleached out, they'll still be hanging on somewhere. And so, some people mistake those old Sterium for turkey tail. So, I only pick turkey tail when I know when it's fresh. And it's pretty unmistakable, by the way the pores are. The pores are definitely a lot smaller than the Sterium pores are. And the mm-hmm. color on the top and the way the styrations are is what they call it. The way the, the color kind of comes out on the top and the way that it does is, is pretty unmistakable. When it's fresh, you can chew on it like bubble gum. In fact, I was just talking to someone today about it. You know, they call it hiker's gum. I believe I learned that from the book you mentioned, All the Rain Promises and More by David Aurora. That's it. Um, by the way, I want to clear this up. The guy in the front is not the guy who wrote the book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to you have to demar you have to put a link to that book because this guy's a character um, so so david aurora actually it's awesome because
1: like I, while i'm not personal friends with him on facebook i'm in the groups that he's in and he's behind a profile that doesn't even have a picture and he interjects with his information on sometimes when people are asking for identifications and i've literally seen people try and call this guy out and i just have to sit back and laugh like this is this is the irony of social media to me. I'm getting goosebumps talking about this because I haven't really talked about it on this level with David Aurora specifically. Like I appreciate him so much from the writing level that, like, you know, it's him. There's there's no way around it. And and I wasn't sure at first like about five years ago either. But since then I've seen it all unfold and I've seen people try to call him out and tell them, you know, like, oh, that's not true, and this and that. And they're like, People are like, you don't know who you're talking to. They're like, yeah, right. That's not David Aurora. If it was, he'd have a profile picture, but he doesn't because he's just this old mycology dude like seriously old like and I've seen some of the pictures he posted on a group I made called Melfi's which is a whole nother conversation there mushroom selfies <laughs> um, he he posted a picture he had his pants off and his pockets were full of all these boletus mush all these porcini because he didn't have anywhere to put them all you know not knowing he was going to come up on this big patch so he's this super super humorous guy but at the same time like we all know that it's hard for an older generation to handle like all of what kind of happens on social media. And I've seen some fizzle outs and stuff and it's just like, I can't really get involved, but just seeing that happen makes me kind of appreciate all of what these people like David Aurora have laid for us this path, you know, and same with Paul Stamets and, you know, you got people like that are not too far off from my age, like Peter McCoy. And I can't forget to say Alan Rockefeller. Like I seriously, Alan Rockefeller is our godfather right now of mycology. And he is so active on social media. And this guy is the kind of guy who just, he gets bored and opens up old files of undescribed species and puts them into places. And I'm friends with these people online, you know, like I was, I didn't think about what I was doing when I was doing it, but I just started friending all these people that I was getting familiar with seeing the names of in groups, identifying mushrooms and stuff. And there's this whole underground family of people that like I honestly <laughs> Rick I can't tell you enough how much they have done for me and like I I honestly feel like I'm going to get choked up if I go any farther talking about it so just to let you know like without these people like you know it, it isn't just the mushrooms it's a way of life like these people understand more they they're more connected and so you know, like getting into, you know, some cosmonaut stuff, you know, we're all connected on like a universal mycelial level. Like it's a hive mind that I can't even begin to explain some of the serendipity that's happened in my life. Just the way things, you know, like, it's like, whoa, you know, the universe is definitely speaking. And that's why I know I'm doing the right thing, you know?
0: Oh, yeah, man. I definitely would agree. And to your point now, just sort of kind of thinking... A little bit more abstractly, I, I would agree with you. I think, like if you think about it, each of our brains in, in the mycology is as a spore, right? And the mycelium is the Internet that connects each and every one of our brains to one another. Now, you have done a great job of self-selecting. Other individuals that are into the same type of knowledge that you are, and that's how you've been able to grow. I think it's very important. Then, and there are other people that self-select trash and trash people, and they're full of hate and anger, and that's all they—that's all they're looking at. And they're looking at these memes about the Republicans or these memes about the liberals, and that's the world they live in. But it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. You can seek out information. Use social media right as a tool to better your life. And if you're not doing that, well, you should start now, right? I mean, and that's kind of what it is, because I think it's an incredibly powerful tool to have a voice and to reach out and to learn. But it also is at the same time, you know, it's a double-edged sword because you can also, it could be a distraction, it could be a, it's a huge source of anxiety and depression. But like anything else, it's a tool. It's just kind of how you use it.
1: Absolutely, and you know, like, and that's been that's that's a hard thing that I I don't struggle with as much now, but I've struggled with how to. I've I've had to learn how to be cold. You know, like I'm I'm just this hugely giving, empathic person that like you know like of course I was being offended by things people said to me. Of course I was like interjecting, saying, "No, you're wrong," but like I got. I've I've gotten to a point now where there's just a lot of things I let go by the wayside. And I wish I could teach people to just kind of jump over exactly what you're saying, that divisiveness. Because just earlier, as an example, you you know, you you kind of mentioned politics a little bit. I seen this morning somebody said, Hey, when are the morales really going to be popping in Washington? And one comment was as soon as the Republican Party dissolves. And I was like, What? So why where does that even serve a purpose here? Yeah. In Reddit, But I didn't say anything, you know, like I don't, I don't feel the need to jump in there and be like, Oh, and say my part because then I'm just adding to it. And I want, I want more people to jump off that, not necessarily cliff, but it's a big ledge and it's going to hurt when you land. But trust me, like it's so much greener down, like I'd say down here, but like, that's where the mycelium lives. We live just underground, you know, but enough to know what's going on.
0: Yeah. But no, I a hundred percent agree with you. One thing I do want to ask you about is truffles. Like, where what are your what's your knowledge base? Like, could you briefly describe the difference between truffles and mushrooms? Because I think like they're pretty closely related. Like, I believe there's some even some psychedelic truffles that you could eat. So can you get into that? Yeah, I can touch a little bit. I haven't gotten into truffles too
1: much because it's a whole nother beast of mycology. But uh, as far as the cultivation side, um, seedling, sapling trees, excuse me, sapling trees that have been inoculated is a thing and you can grow orchards. They're going to be hazelnuts, um, things like that. Trees that actually have that, remember I talked about the ectomycorrhizal; they can receive that mycorrhizal relationship and they can go in and grow these orchards. And actually, but it, I mean, we're talking years into investment, at least 10 years on things like that. Um, the dug fir trees that are around, you're going to need them to be at least, last I remember, like 20 to 25 years old um, to be able to find them. They're going to be in the duff. Um, you know, it's it's a hard thing because the wildlife like them so much. So we're going to get more on the sciencey side of what a truffle is. It's just a mushroom and a fu- it's a fungus that fruits in a different way that it doesn't put spores out like all the other mushrooms do. You know, you have gills, you know. On the morels, they put spores out, but they come out of those weird looking, the pores. There's that tryptophobia again. Some people, morels, they can't even look at them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But everything puts off a spore and is able to reproduce itself in some way or another. Um, And a truffle can't. It doesn't have that about them because of the type of fungi it is. And so it has to make itself very presentable and delicious, basically, in order to be spread around because its purpose is to get eaten by something because it smells so good. So the squirrels love them, all the little rodents love them and they eat them. And every time they shit, they're spreading the spores. Ah, okay. So that's why a truffle is so delicious. Like I had somebody comment that and I was like, they don't know what they just did for me. That's like, I love those analyzations of things and metaphors and like, they basically need to be eaten and pooped out to be spread. So, you have to beat the wildlife creatures there. You have to kind of know what to look for, the type of duff. People use um, probes that they push in to make sure there's you know, X amount of inches of duff. Um, the most popular thing is to get a dog, um, but you just want to make sure that you get the specific species of truffle you're looking for. You can purchase the oil and train your dog how to sniff them out for the
0: species you want. Okay. Dude, that that's awesome. Well- we're we're running a little bit low on time here. So where can like where can people find you? So people can find me um, right behind my phone number
1: for one. Um, but uh, you know if they're on Facebook, if you're on Instagram, Will Valley Mushrooms is. I had to put a name to what I'm doing. I don't make enough money to actually be like an incorporated business or anything yet. But Will Valley Mushrooms. Um, I'm on Facebook. My Instagram hashtag is actually muscle and hushrooms. I thought that was pretty good. Um, <laughs> other than that, you Google Will Valley mushrooms. My phone number's right there. I don't have to say it if you don't want me to say
0: it. Yeah, um, yeah, don't do that. There's a lot of crazy people. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, man. Um, we'll definitely do this again, brother. Um, I, hopefully, the next time we talk, I'll be ranting and raving about the the mushrooms I'm cultivating and all the ones I've picked. Appreciate it, well, brother.
1: Yeah, not a problem. And I want to say that anytime you have any questions and you want to do anything focused on cultivation or identification or anything, I've got I've got people that would be more than happy to join along too. Uh, my network runs so deep in mycology that whatever you want to do, we can get her done, man.
0: Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys.